Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Die, Death Store Prods, TTRPG Podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joe today, I got Cave. Hey, bitches. And yes, so, if you've listened to any of the episodes of Cursed Destiny that have been put out, which at time of recording is one, then you'll know that we aren't going to be using D&D 5e on the site anymore, and we're not going to be using D&D, period, on the site anymore. We do ask your patience uh, when it comes to like waiting for the waiting for the new episodes of Curse Destiny because there is actually a lot of background work that has to go into completely teaching two people a system from the ground up and teaching one person's system hi uh, from halfway ground up yeah Dad's Ye- doing a lot of work <laughs> I'm doing some hey, you're building things. I am also learning independently, but I saw I every session is going to be, hey, Dad, how does this work again? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we're not going to be doing 5e content anymore. We're not going to be doing D&D content anymore. And that includes the one D&D stuff, which up until now, we've been doing pretty much as they've been coming out. As soon as I see one is out, I get it, read it a bit, and then call Cave into a, then bring Cave into a call and just go, hey, Cave. Now, now, I will say this. If Hasbro tries to pull evil bullshit again, we will cover that. Yeah. But We're not gonna be doing right like... now, they, they've lost all my good faith. So. Yeah. <laughs> and so, as part of all this, I also signed up for the Cobalt Press Project Black Flag playtest. Cobalt Press, for those who don't know. Pirate RPG? No. Oh. For those who don't know, Cobalt Press is... One of the biggest third-party publishers of D&D 5th edition content. They have been putting out books forever. And they are... They seem to be slotting into the new Paizo role in relation to D&D. In the... We've been putting Meanwhile, out content Paizo for Paizo is taking D&D's job? No, it's... I don't know. Like, it's... Like, Paizo has kind of gone off and done their own thing. They're just like... They just like had that role as Paizo and they were like, okay, we made our new thing. Fuck you. Okay, never mind. Come with us. Meanwhile, Cobalt has been like, they're holding down the fort. And with this, now they're going, hey, you know that fifth edition system we love? And how the new one's going to suck because of the horribly in a, because of the horribly dr- draconian license? Let's keep playing fifth edition, but we made it a bit fancier. I hope they've improved some of the things we've complained about. Yeah, or at the, least plan to. Because for those who don't know, Pathfinder started as, hey, let's keep D&D 3.5 and make it fancier. My absolute favorite thing about, like, first off, okay, so when 4th edition came out, they did the GSL. And Paizo said, screw you, I'm going to make my own tabletop with blackjack and hookers. Forget the blackjack and hookers. <laughs> And it happened again. It happened again. <laughs> it happened again. Only it was like 17 groups saying, screw you, we're going to make our own tabletops with blackjack and hookers. And one of them was like, especially blackjack and hookers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Project Black Flag is now beginning to come out. They have started putting out playlist material. I believe their plan is to put out a packet a month. And then they'll be also giving regular updates on Fridays. Which I'm signed up for, so I'll be keeping an eye on all that, and then I will shout it at Cave. And I will blindly go, oh, that sounds okay. Yeah. So Playtest Packet 1 has come out, and since we, you know, did as much coverage as we did on 1D&D, and not gonna lie, this is largely just because they watched a video by the rules lawyer, and he was like, hey, we should 
cover the people who are actually making new shit in response to D&D being dumb. Honestly, we should also cover some of the other systems that are out there. I mean, you spend half your time just finding new systems that, like, I'm willing to play and no one else. <laughs> so we could always cover those, too. Uh, yeah, I guess I should say, uh, for reference, I am currently learning and or proficient in running 10 different systems. All systems I'm proficient in running in are decades old or Pathfinder 2nd Edition. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not proficient in that one. <laughs> yeah. We, we may end up doing that. We may, we're probably going to be end up covering more stuff and also just going to be running more stuff. I have plans for things. I'm just waiting for official releases of books to come out. Ooh, official books. Yeah. So anyway, Project Black Flag. Or as it's going to be known throughout this test package, Square Brackets Core Fantasy System. Oh, they need a better name. This isn't the final name. I know. I think that that is like the hey, it's a test name. So hard. Yeah, it is incredibly obvious. This is like this is for internal use only. Eh. Yeah, this is first draft. We need a thing to put in the place name here section of the PDF. That's like when I'm writing a new book and I title it Book About Thing. <laughs> And then one day you actually send it out to the publisher as a book about thing. And it's like, ah, oh, fuck. I have actually sent that to nice. my, uh, to my editors, to the people I have, uh, re uh, read for editing. And like, they've been like, what's the title supposed to be? And I was like, shit, did I not change that? Yeah. Uh, so a thing that they make uh, pretty clear going into this is that they are intending this system to be backwards compatible with 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. When I first read that, I was a bit disappointed. Largely because I wanted some new shit. Agreed. However, having calmed down and thought about it for more than a second, I get it. They are a publisher of 5th edition books. They have dozens upon dozens of bestiaries and adventures and all that other shit and like magic options. Why would they why would they turn off the entirety of their back catalog? Yeah, to put out a new system. Let's them keep making money. Yeah, and they're Un a company. Unlike unlike fucking uh consoles, <laughs> they can actually very easily make their shit backwards compatible. Yeah. Uh and they also say that with these with, with this packet, at least, because it doesn't contain any class options. Making a new character from scratch would require you to use this package as well as the 5th edition rules. I really hope. Like, I know it's not going to happen. But I hope that uh, Watsi puts the Artificer in the uh, SRD. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Like, just so everyone out there knows, Artificer is my favorite class. Hands down. No question. Artificer is my favorite. Third edition, I played more Artificers than anything else. I could tell you how to build an Artificer who's so efficient that they could build a flying city in a week and make the DM cry when they drop it on the final boss. Why make the city and flying when you just put legs on it? Because then you can <laughs> drop it on the final boss. <laughs> like legs, the boss could just build a tower tall enough and then you got to run into the tower. That's not fun. Dropping a I'm city on the jokes. boss. 
dropping a city on the bus. That's something else. No, this is in reference I, to Dot. This is a reference to Curse Destiny. Go listen to it. Uh, fourth edition, no artificer. Not <laughs> while I played it. And fourth edition can burn in hell. Fifth edition, it, like artificer came out like last year or something. Like, like in the last couple years, yeah. It, it's, it's one of the core classes. <laughs> No, it isn't. Well, like, remember, remember, in all of the material, there were 12 classes and also Artificer. Yeah, that's another thing. There are other core classes, in my opinion, that have just been completely ignored, but we're not going to get into that just because they, they don't know how to do psionics well. <laughs> Making it a fucking fighter subclass. No, they tried putting it out as a regular class, but people got angry about it because it was too good. Yeah, because they didn't balance it. They don't know how to do it right. They're dumbasses. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> like, psionics has always been powerful. Like, period. When, like, I only ever played the 3.5 version, but I was basically like, hey, you want to make a broken character? Psionics. Done. You yeah. don't even have to try very hard. In 5e, you get high enough level, and they're just immortal. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to the Black Flag. Yeah. Back to Black Flag. Yeah, so... Uh, so they is, haven't released any classes yet. No classes yet, but given that they are saying, hey, we're going to be doing... They're they're going to be largely backwards compatible with 5e, we're going to see some familiar classes. Classes and subclasses. Yeah, uh, so they also gave a very short blurb about... And when I say very short, I mean one paragraph, like three to four sentences about their fantasy world which is the Labyrinth. Okay. And what Labyrinth is, Labyrinth is a multiverse. You, there are mag there's magic corridors linking everything, and they link all the different realms of their officially released stuff and then whatever homebrew shit you want to brew up, and it's all connected through the Labyrinth. I always like it when systems openly acknowledge homebrew worlds. worlds. Yeah. You know? Because I have never met a DM... <laughs> Who, like, if they weren't running a module, ran purely in the settings world. And even some of the GMs I know who run modules a lot usually throw in their own shit. Like an NPC gets subbed in or something. Yeah. Or an item shows up. Yeah. So anyway, um, going from there, they get into kind of like their five bullet points of what makes of what makes their quote unquote at like their elements of core fantasy, which are fantasy worlds have magic. The stories are about heroes. There's unique shit in the world, unique locales, cultures, creatures, go explore that shit and go nuts. There is a power structure. Is that's it. Is this a power structure and mm -hmm. conflict. So that to Cobalt what? Press conflict. Yeah, I know, right? It's wild. How could you do that? Break the mo here, Cobalt Press. I thought you said this was five E backwards compatible. <laughs> but no, we are such assholes. Absolutely. <laughs> but no, it's if you are the first person to if you are a, a if this is your first time playing a TTRPG, which honestly. Kind of the OGL controversy did bring this to a lot of people's light, and now they are trying games for the first time. 
I loved walking into my local game shop being like, hey, you guys got any uh, Pathfinder books? And they were like, all we have is D&D. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants that shit no- anymore. Out <laughs> fucking standing, dude. Yeah. I was trying to pick up a copy of the Pathfinder rules, and I was like, I can't find the Pathfinder rules. And they were like, nope. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, Pathfinder, Paizo, they put out a statement saying that they sold eight months worth of revenue, eight months worth of product in two weeks. Yeah, I was like, there aren't that many gamers in my area. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> now, apparently there are. Yeah, apparently there's enough to buy the fucking store out. Yeah, of every system. <laughs> uh, just all of a sudden, you're just going to see weird shit popping up. Just like, hey, you want to join my City of Mist game? Who wants to play Raccoon Astronauts? Hell yeah, baby. Let's go. Oh, uh, yeah. Then from there, uh, they get into step-by-step character creation, which we all know. Make a concept. Choose a class. Get your ability scores. And this is kind of the point. This This is a point where things diverge slightly and honestly it is in a thing that i don't mind because it's basically just it's just hey here are the fifth edition rules but they're a little bit better so six ability scores strength dex con int whiz charisma you know roll 4d6 add up the three highest ignore the lowest get those up get those all up assign your ability scores and then as part of rolling your stats you add two to one score of your choice that is below six, that is 16 or lower and add one to a score that is 17 or lower. And thus you have your stats. Okay. And I don't hate that because it is kind of almost determining that you will get a, it, it is a, it is increasing the likelihood of you getting an 18, which everyone loves having an 18 at level one. Yeah. Having an 18 at level one is boss. Yeah. Uh, and I do like that like, this is part of characterization stuff, and it's just like, hey, as part of rolling your stuff, add these numbers. I'm still not a big fan of rolling four D6s because it's entirely possible that every ability score you roll will be below 15. It's entirely possible that every ability score you'll roll will be below 10. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> Getting into other systems that have a much more determined. You will end up with one ability score as this and the rest and the highest at this and have this have this like spread of having it be a lot more. I don't want to say rigid because it's not or like you're able to customize that shit as much as you want, but having it be a lot more reliable that you're able to get a usable character. I mean, the odds of getting, like, everything below 15, I mean... I've fucking done it. Three times in a row. Yeah, you have, actually, yeah. See, I am very firmly in the camp of, like, I was raised rolling dice randomly, so I'm always going to look at that with a bit of favor. But that being said... I really, really like Pathfinder system. Yeah, it's it's so good. Because it makes sense. It's not, oh, yeah, I'm a 
experienced battlefield commander with the decades history on the field. I am an I am a half orc and I am a fighter. I have an eight strength. Fuck yeah, baby. That's happened. And oh my god. Okay, so just gonna say this to everybody who's out there listening, you know, that one person. Hi. Having a weakness is fine. Having that weakness be your primary stat is not. Having a variety of strengths is fine. Having every stat be the same number is not. (laughs) You've got two sides of the coin, neither of which is fun to play with or to help build. Yeah. Focus. (laughs) Like, honestly, pick what you like, pick pick the guy you want to play, give him like three ability scores that are the primarily going to be the highest, and then. The rest could be whatever, but don't be bitchy about having low stats. Play into a role say, play. I would say, like, you need two stats to be your best. You know? Like, pick two stats that are your best, and everything else just finagle around. Fair enough. But don't build these fucking... I've got a 12 and everything characters. <laughs> I've got a 14 and everything characters. Don't build these. Yeah, I'm a fighter and my strength is eight. I'm a monk with a wisdom of six. I'm a wizard. What's intelligence? Well, you say that I did build a monk with a dexterity of six. Yes, but wisdom is what's really important for monks. Dexterity is like the second most important thing, but it's still not like, yeah, this character's pretty much unplayable. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yes, that's the standard way to do it. Uh, they also offer two other variants, Point Buy and Standard Array. And I like them a lot better than 5th Editions. God, I hate Point Buy. I don't like... You're going to have to sell me on Point Buy, because... So I don't like D&D's Point Buy. That's why I'm saying, like, I'm hoping it's better, because, like, sell me on it. So, for starters, you can get an 18 with it. Okay. That's instantly got got points in its favor. You also start with 32 points as opposed to 27. Oh, come on. All right, again, this isn't going to be me, like, going to rant for a second. Just make it so that it's one-to-one. But if we do that, then we're not special. (laughs) And uh, it's it's weird. I I know we're D&D nerds, and I know, like, like the, the stereotype is that we like math. No one likes doing that much math. Wait, how? It's... It's just subtraction. I'm ta- like, okay, the way I always do it is I want my stat to be this. And then I have to go back and do the math for how much I'm removing from the point pool. Instead, because I my brain doesn't work with the by one and then by one and then by one. It doesn't work that way for me. Well, no, And it, you- as like with a lot of systems, it's as you buy higher levels, then it's it costs increasing amounts. Instead of just having it be one to one, you've got you've got ten points. You can put you can buy ten levels in a stat. That's what that's what that's the version I like. So I don't know how you I don't know if like point by was different back in olden days, but like 
This point by just says, hey, if you want an eight, hey, if you want an 18, it'll cost 16 points. You then have 16 points left over. It's literally just a chart that just says, this is what the, what the score you want is and how many points it costs. Are there not modifiers for the race you chose or do those get applied later? There isn't. Nor is there one for background or your class. Okay, then that makes it way easier. Because back in the day, you had to take into account the modifiers for your uh, race and stuff. And then it's like, all right, you have a 12 and you want to go to a 16. So you're buying four levels, but you're not actually buying four levels. You're buying six because uh, uh, 15 to 16 costs double the amount of points that it costs to buy this level. Yeah. So with this system, everything starts at eight. And then nine costs one point, 10 costs two, 11, three, 12, four, 13, five, 14, seven, 15, nine. It's basically it's basically one to one until you get to the fourteens. Then it's two to one. Okay. See, I like that way better. That actually makes sense. Yeah. So if you want to get yeah, so from nine to thirteen, it's one to one. From fourteen to seventeen, it's two to one, and then it's three for for the jump comparatively to seventeenth level. But you're not going to be doing whatever weird dumb math thing you're doing here. It's literally just okay. How many point? Okay, take yeah, that for just, total. The, this system actually makes sense. Like, I think I'm, that, I'm, again, I'm from a generation where it didn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm still, I'm not a big fan of like this kind of point by. I am much more of the one to one kind of thing. Yeah, I, you know, I, like a Starfinder, like a Savage Worlds. Yeah, I think we're in agreement that just one to one makes more sense. Yeah, but you still get this thing. You still get uh, your plus two and plus one. So it's possible you could just like roll up with a fucking character with two 18s, a 13, and then three eights. <laughs> I mean, hey, so long as they didn't dump their primary stat, should be fine. <laughs> should be workable. <laughs> just imagining someone rolling up with a fucking like eight charisma bard. Jesus Christ. I've seen it. Yeah. I have been forced to play with it and compensate for their stupidity the whole game. I'm a college. See, that's the big thing. You're working with a team. Don't make it harder for everybody else. I'm a college of swords, bod. So why the fuck wouldn't I put everything into my strength and stuff? Who needs charisma when I'm busy stabbing people? It's like they just play a fighter. Oh, why? I like bards. I want to be a bard. I heard bards fuck. They get. Fucking late, brah. Yeah. Anyway, and then the other thing is standard array, which for Project Black Flag is 16, 15, 13, 12, 10, 8. Which I also enjoy more than 5th editions because it gives you an 18 at level 1. As opposed to goddamned fucking dog shit standard array that the highest stat is 15. Like a goddamn nerd. It's just garbage. <laughs> Such utter garbage. Five E or this? Five E. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh god, it's just so it's, bad. It's so much. Uh, yeah. Then from there, you'd get uh, lineage and heritage, background, fill in the blank stuff, and they also include a checklist in here of everything you will need to get noted down your character sheet before you can actually start playing something we should send to some of the people that we know. (laughs) 
Agreed. <laughs> but one thing that they do mention in here uh, that isn't mentioned anywhere else, uh, luck points. Ooh, okay. Do not know how that will factor into the gameplay as, it's, as a whole, because again, this is the very early beginnings of playtest material. Mm-hmm. But still, something new. And they're more, li- and they're actually likely to listen to you when you send them feedback. Yeah. Uh, so let's explain some leveling stuff uh, with gaining hit points, the same as five E, which again I don't like. <laughs> I don't like rolling for hit points, especially because it has to be house ruled by fucking everybody that if you roll the one, you get to re-roll. Yeah, it's so. I again. I like the random element that rolling brings in. No. I like a random element as much as the next guy. That's why I play dice-based games. Have that for being in play. Don't have it for me making a person I want to live. Yeah, see, that's the big problem. Like, systems that do standardized uh, hit points, you're gonna survive first level. Like... Systems that do randomized hit points, you're probably going to survive first level, and then second level, you roll a one. Yeah. And hey, your your comm modifier is only a fucking plus one, so guess what? You get two hit points on a level up. Honestly, like, big, like, this is my biggest problem with casters in most systems. I get it. You want, you want something to make it more difficult since they've got fucking magic of doom. Don't make them die. Because <laughs> every system, it's like, yeah, the caster's going to die. It's just, it's just a fact. They're, they're going to die. And I'm just like, <laughs> so no one's supposed to play a caster at first level? Is that what you're getting at? No, just stay away from people. We gave you okay, a fireball. He's, Why? Have, he's having these wolves charge me. Well, that sounds like a DM issue and not a game issue. But my DM's being strategic. What with, am I supposed to do? With wolves? Yeah. If a wolf if a wolf see a guy coming at it with something pointy and a guy in the back going hibbida hibbida hibbida. Okay, fine. Bandits. It's a bit more reasonable then. <laughs> you see a guy going hibbida, it's like, oh Jesus Christ, I don't want to get turned into a newt. <laughs> that happened to be that happened to my brother once and it didn't work out well. Uh, so yeah, uh, from there, uh, tracking XP, because they have XP thing. It's the same as 5th edition. However, they did fuck up the printing on it and say that uh, from 1st to 2nd, 300 XP. From 2nd to 3rd, it's 2,700. 4th to 5th, 6,500. And from, uh, sorry, from 3rd to 4th, 6,500. And from 4th to 5th, 6,500. Woo! 4th to 5th the same! Skip 4th level entirely! <laughs> fuck your ASI. <laughs> that would be hilarious if it worked out that way. They just, that would be hilarious if it worked out that way. They, they, just, they just like fucked the printing and then went, well, we can't change it. You're not getting a fourth level. Of course, most people would probably be like, yeah, that means I get fourth level and fifth level at the same time. Nope, you choose one. What? You're either getting that ASI or getting a second attack. Not, you can't get both. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I, I have, um, uh. Make a choice. You have until the hourglass runs out. Oh, God. <laughs> just, just the most high stakes fucking leveling up ever. <laughs> and then you get the nerd like me. Yeah, I already planned my character. <laughs> I'm taking the ASI. <laughs> <laughs> that is at that point the DM goes, hey, cool. Let me see your character. No, it just lights them on fire. I'm loving uh. your character now. Fuck you. <laughs> and then I walk away from the game and never play with that person again. Yep. <laughs> Just the Dark Souls of DMs. The asshole of DMs. Eh. I've heard worse. Oh, yeah. No, there's worse. Yeah. Uh, well, then, anyway, they also mentioned Milestone. That's the thing. Uh, they also do mention an interesting uh, idea for leveling up progression they say as a general rule first level pc should hit level up milestones after a single game session second level pc should hit level up milestones after two game sessions third pcs should hit three uh hit level up milestone after three game sessions and approximately every three sessions thereafter mm. a gm may slow up and speed down milestone advancement at their discretion But just like as a rule of thumb, like, hey, you want to get like, here are some beats that can work. Yeah, it's and it's nice to have a little bit of framework because I, I I know that a lot of DMs do have issue sometimes with trying to do milestone because it's like, I'm just doing it completely by myself. I'm getting no help here. Yeah. Yeah. And like having having something. Be it's nice. To, yeah, it's nice to have that framework. Yeah, having a rule of thumb of just being like, hey, here is a decent progression that we have found in our, like, in, in like, in our games. Which, like, that's not an awful progression. No, that's actually, like, as I think about it, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, and, like, if you want to wait for a more dramatic moment, then, hey, instead of three sessions, it's four sessions. Because in this fourth session, we're going to be doing some fucking sick shit. Or you can just go, or you can just, like, go completely reverse, and if they, like bum rush through your goddamn encounter and defeat the big bad you had built up way quicker than you thought. It's like, hey, cool. Level up. Woo! Or the opposite. Hey, cool. Yeah, he wasn't actually the boss, so you guys don't get any experience. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we hear the boss music? Why is there so many items around here? <laughs> that wasn't my final form. That wasn't even a form. That was just his buddy. Uh, anyway, and then from there, Lineage and heritage. So lineage is what Cobalt Press is referring to as race or species. In case you said you had words. Yeah. Okay. So how do I put this? Just call them fucking species. Like, uh, like a, a lineage is, I understand, like another term kind of for it but it's also not not really at all like a, a lineage is a direct bloodline which that's your character's parents and your character's parents parents that's your lineage so if one of them fucked a an angel then you'd be a, of an asimar lineage but you'd be a human first and foremost like and human is your species not like 
Uh, what I really want in a lot of these games is for it to be like, yes, you take a base race, and then you can take this other weirdness and slap it on top. And I just, I want the terms to be more clearly specified for that. Instead of everyone throwing in lineage because, like, one 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 popular kid did it. This is the only system I've seen use lineage. So far. Like, that's the thing. We're about to get into a whole bunch of new systems that are just like, yeah, we're 5e, not really. Like, the term I'm seeing pop up a couple more times is ancestry. Oh, God, ancestry. Which is in I mean, Pathfinder 2nd Edition and in Shadow of the Demon Lord. Like, Ancestry works better. I still don't like it perfectly, but it's better. Well, like, even like even with your example of fucking Azamar lineage, you're still, you're not a human. If, like, if, you're, if your parents fucked an angel, then your parent is an Asimar, and then you can also become an Asimar. And even if you just become, like, a dude, you still have Asimar blood in you, so you're still half Asimar. You're just some weird other species, like the fucking Liger of the human world. So saying species doesn't really work either because they have to come up with new species for crossbreeds. I guess you're right. There is no good term for this because people fuck everything. It'll just be a matter of what is the majority of your people and what do you take after? Yeah, you're right. I, I can admit that I was wrong. And then the other thing they bring up, and the other thing with this, heritages. This is fucking interesting. So, a her- so each lineage includes heritage options that, quote-unquote, are most common to members of that lineage. However, if your character was adopted or grew up in a culture predominantly made of a different lineage, you can choose one of their heritage options. Ooh, cool. So you can be a human raised by elves and take an elf heritage option, or you can be an elf raised by dwarves and take a, and take a dwarf heritage option. Which brings up some interesting shit as we're about to get into those. Because some of these heritage options are kind of strong. And I like them. So let's just get into the base lineage, and then we'll get into the uh, heritages. So first off, dwarves. They're fucking dwarves. They are size medium, people. <laughs> medium uh, with a capital M. You fucking assholes. This is Dead's biggest pet peeve. When because whenever he plays a dwarf, like all everybody around him is like, "Hey, shorty." It's like I can. I am literally heavier than you, and I'm only a foot shorter. Yeah, I am five feet tall, you fucking cunts. I can ball you up into a goddamn, I can ball you up into a goddamn crumpled piece of paper and hawk you into the sun. You fucking wizard. (laughs) You saying dwarves can't be wizards? Sure. I see how it is. I'm going to build a dwarf based wizard whose dumb stat is fucking wisdom. His intelligence is going to be a 14 and his strength is going to be an 18. Fuck all of you. <laughs> anyway, they have walking speed of 25 feet. They have night vision. 
which is what they call dark vision. I miss infravision. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's one of the few things that I like about first edition. Or is it second edition? Just like weird versions of vision. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're playing Starfinder. Yeah. You can replace your eyeballs with infrascopes or whatever. Thermal vision. Yeah, so uh, dwarves get resistance to poison damage and advantage on saves to become poisoned. And their hit point maximum increases by one and increases by one every time they gain a level. Then the two heritage options. There is first Fireforge heritage. These are dwarves who mainly focus on metal crafting. You know, the way I play dwarves. Uh, the right they, way. Yeah. So they have uh, the game proficiency with glass blowers, tools, or smith's tools. Uh, you choose one of those tools and you get expertise in that, in the ability to check that uh, tool type. Uh, you can speak, read, and write Ignan in addition to your other chosen languages. You know the mending cantrip. And uh, when you, ca- and you can cast it as a single action as opposed to a minute. However, it can only be used to um, repair metal objects. Uh, and then you know uh, common and one additional language of your choice. Typically, it's dwarvish for that choice. And then last thing, and probably the biggest thing, you're resistant to fire. That's awesome. That's a heritage option that a human or elf could take. You can oh, just make awesome. you can just make a human that's that's resistant to fire because they grew up around dwarves. All right. So I got another thing to complain about, though. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I fucking hate toolkits. Okay. I don't like them, and I don't like I don't like them because it they've they've dumbed down crafting to the point where there's no fucking point in doing it. Like I have never meditate. I've never played at a table that allowed crafting that didn't have house rules to actually make it fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in even edition. I mean, even with the system that, like, with the system that we were playing in, we used homebrew rules to make for me to make uh, magical items as Zirian. And in our new thing, I have already sent you a fucking thing I found on Reddit that's like, "Hey, here are homebrew rules for crafting." Yeah, but Pathfinder's rules are at least marginally better. Marginally, yeah. The new rules aren't any better. No. My treasure vault coming out next week. Like, how can every table homebrew rules for crafting that make it fun and useful and no, like, actual official system I've played <laughs> makes crafting fun or useful? I have tried out, tried it out in Starfinder yet, so I can't give my opinion on that. Uh, I do have a problem with the fact that it doesn't reduce the cost of of purchasing the items at all but they do have a valid argument for why it doesn't reduce the cost of purchasing the item at all. So at least there's that. But yeah. Like, uh, three, five, it was just ridiculously broken. <laughs> like three, five, it was, yeah, you can buy it all for half. So all you do is take a crafting skill at first level and say, Hey DM, I'm making all my gear. Okay. I have double the money. I feel like 
literally anything any TTRPG does, you can say 3.5 did it broken. Because that seems to be every anytime I've heard a single person, including you and anybody else, talk about 3.5, it's, oh, this thing was so fucking broken. I could do this, 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 and this, and I became God. And maybe that's maybe it's just maybe that's what it was. It was just it's just like hard overcorrection for 3.5. Playing a straight fighter. I did I wasn't asking for an example. <laughs> Samurai? Samurai was garbage in 3.5. I don't give a shit. <laughs> that was actually the big thing with 3.5. You, you, you like it was like you're careening down a slippery road and you can turn left and go into the land of mountains of gold and stupid broken abilities or turn right and go flying off the cliff. And uh, it look it seemed like the designers thought both were viable options. That sounds awful. <laughs> it was, it was so bad. Oh, it sucked playing monks. It sucked playing monks so hard. Thank God I never played 3.5 and never will. Yeah, no. No one would be able to pay me enough money to get me to even crack open a 3.5 book. <laughs> Fucked a lot of you. Anyway, hey, these other dwarves. Yep, more uh, dwarves. Yep, so the Stone Heritage. These are the Masons and Miners. These are the dwarves everybody thinks dwarves should be. Yeah, so uh, these dwarves get weapon training, proficiency in battle axes, hand axes, light hammers, and war hammers. As you do. They are also trained in armor. They get light armor proficiency and medium armor proficiency, and if they are using if they're using heavy armor, regardless of their strength score, they ignore any speed penalties. Oh, that's pretty good. pretty damn cool. Yep. Uh, you gain proficiency with smith's tools, brewer supplies, or mason's tools. I've never met a single person who brewed anything. I have. Of course you have. <laughs> Just wants to stop in the middle of an adventure to make a new Pilsner. <laughs> yes, actually. That is exactly what would happen. Look, guys, you got to try. We would be like, we'd be like stopped for the night to camp. And I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go grab some stuff to throw in my barrel. Crack open an empty barrel, throw a bunch of shit in it. <laughs> And then be like, in two weeks, we're going to have something tasty. <laughs> hey, guys, carry my barrel for me. No, we put it in a wagon. <laughs> we had a wagon. And the wagon gets obliterated. Actually, the DM was all for it. Of he course. Was he... all for my road brutes. Okay, so when you say you knew a person who brewed something. Yeah, no, that was me. Of course it was. <laughs> that was me. I wasn't saying I knew a person. I said I did it. Okay, I didn't hear I did it. I just I just hear I did. So it's like I've never met a person who brewed. Oh, I have. <sighs> anyway, yeah. So you get that. So you can make a sick IPA that no one will drink. <laughs> hey, the party fucking loved it. Party said they loved it. <laughs> uh. Anyway, so uh, you also. Next ability, eye for quality. Whenever you make an ability to uh, check related to the origin of metalwork or masonry, 
add your proficiency bonus to the roll, even if you aren't proficient. If you are proficient, expertise. And then common in one additional language, typically Dwarvish. I don't yeah, know. I speak Elvish. Yeah, I don't know why that sentence, that, that last sentence is always weird to me. Of like, hey, you speak common? Like, hey, here is the people you grew up in. Because this is heritages. This isn't lineages. This is saying mm-hmm. you grew up in a Dwarvish society. So you have the option of not being able to interact with a single fucking person in that society. Fucking jerk. Doesn't <laughs> speak our language. Get out of my community. It's like from the time I was born to the t- to, from the time I was born to now, I was lived and raised in China. Don't speak a word of Cantonese or Mandarin. Fuck them all. I do speak a lot of Japanese, though. <laughs> they did not like me. <laughs> anyway, from there, elves. Elves are medium. Also, I haven't been mentioning ages because I don't want to upset Cave more by just saying, hey, this is still the same. Honestly, if dwarves get called short, elves should get called scrawny. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be fair here. So anyway, elves have a walking speed of 30 feet. They have night vision. They are proficient with perception. Advantage saves against being charmed and can't be put to sleep. And they don't sleep. They transfer four hours. You know, they're elves. Uh, Next, uh, so from there, heritage options. So the cloud heritage. This is something of a new thing, I guess, I think for the system where they're talking about how elves and their history are deeply tied to the history of magic. Uh, Elves who were like there when magic first began being generated when it was first discovered, whoever the fuck knows what the fuck's up with magic, they became the cloud elves. And yeah, so they were just, these are the magic ones. These the magic bitches. Yeah, so they have touch of magic. They choose a school of magic, magic, just any school of magic, they get a cantrip. At third level, they get a first level spell slot. They get a first level spell from that same school. And at fifth level, they get a third level spell from that school. You learn to cast these spells at your lowest level. Um, once you cast one of these spells, you've got to finish a long rest before you can cast it again using this feature. And the spellcasting ability is charisma, intelligence, or wisdom chosen during character creation. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, uh, they're also proficient in arcana and no common and two additional languages of choice. Typically, Elvish and Draconic. It's not going to stop bugging me that they're like, additional languages. You can pick anything. You can pick anything. Anything. You can be a special boy who doesn't speak your native... There is going to be someone who refuses to ever take their native tongue. Oh, you mean everyone? Am I wrong? <laughs> I take my native tongue, but once. again, we've already proven I'm weird. You take your native tongue once. Or, or you'd make every character, but all of them would be cloud heritage. You could take your native tongue and something else. 
just I was so stupid. <laughs> I'm wondering how they're going to handle like I wonder how they're going to handle like sign languages or tactile languages because I'm just picturing someone going, "All right, I've made my ancestors. All right, I've made my lineage. I've made my heritage. I speak common and common sign language." <laughs> what about anything else? Why would you need anything else? It's common. <laughs> they're not entirely wrong. <laughs> and that's what I actually so I recently implemented a rule because I've, I'm sick and tired of players not picking their goddamn languages. So I recently implemented a rule where if you don't pick your languages by the time you get to a table, all you speak is common. <laughs> and I have, I, I have a party where none of them actually bothered with any of their languages. And I didn't get, why would I, why would anything else? It's common, but I got something similar to that. So I, I've punished them by having everyone speak everything else in front of them being highly insulting, but the party can't get mad because their characters don't realize it. <laughs> I would just send them off into ruins over and over again. They kept that all the ruins just had things written in other languages saying, hey, avoid these spaces. They're covered in traps. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> I've done that. Yeah, just no riddles. None of this fucking like tomb of horrors bullshit. Just straight up. Hey, this square, this square, this square and this square. If you step on them, you'll explode. And they just walk out and step on all of them. It's like, why did no one tell us? We tried to, but you did, you fucking dipshits and only speak common. You didn't take the seven seconds to write down five words. It's not that hard, people. Like, literally. I, so, why is this a problem? So often. Anyway, next up, the Grove Heritage. It's a wood elf. What? No, it's a grove heritage. So, uh, they can speak to beasts. You can communicate simple ideas with beasts and you have advantage uh, on checks made to interact with non-hostile beasts. You have a climbing speed equal to your walking speed. You're proficient with long swords, short swords, short bow, and long bow. And common in one additional language of your choice. Because they live in the dirt, they're not as smart. I guess. That's racist. Yes, it is. Uh, and then, human. It's a human. Oh, I, I fucking hate this. <laughs> what? So, humans. If you are playing a human of between five to six feet, the average range of adult humans, you are size medium. If you choose to play a human shorter than five feet, your size is small. I feel weird about that. Well, sorry. You can sorry if you if you play human shorter than five feet, you can choose your size to be small. Okay, okay. I yeah, still so, feel weird about it, but I don't feel as weird about it. Yeah, it, honestly, that's a thing they were doing in one D anD D where there's like, hey, pretty much anything can be small because that's a thing that happens. I feel like you should be less than I should. I feel like it's like if you're under four feet, you can choose to be small or something. Yeah, because like if you're a person who's five feet and you choose small, I think you stand next to a dwarf and you're four inches taller. <laughs> it's just going to perpetuate the goddamn idea. <laughs> That's not even what I was thinking about, but okay. <sighs> I hate it. <laughs> Dwarves are medium daggummit. The best part. That's not a short guy. He's taller than I am. Yeah. 
I'm not this this is like a compensation thing for like I'm fucking I'm a fucking short king. No, I'm six one. Oh no, we're the same height. That's right. Yeah. For some reason I thought you were six three. Nope. I'm six one. But yeah, it's not like a it's not like I'm going, nah, five five feet is tall, that goddamn it. No, it's just every single goddamn time I play one of these fucking cubes fueled by alcohol and pride. <laughs> <laughs> some motherfucker walks up and go hey short stack hey the little one and it's always a party member yeah just like fucking call me by my goddamn name we are fucking co-workers <laughs> supposedly friends we are co-workers <laughs> If you're not, not going to do the bare minimum of fucking respect by calling me by my goddamn name and not pointing out a thing I am different in you in relation to you. Fucking Christ. This might be the weirdest hill I die on. <laughs> no. There have been weirder already. <laughs> in my short time of knowing you. <laughs> short time it's been like seven years god i've suffered that long yes you have and you haven't left i really am mental anyway walk speed of 30 feet uh and they gain a proficiency in one skill of your choice and they gain a talent of your choice this is what they refer to feats as yeah i can understand that so variant human is now just human yeah I mean, nobody ever took anything else. No, like two people did. And I ran for them. Nobody it... ever took anything else. <laughs> anyway, uh, now the human heritages, because humans have heritages. So first up, nomadic. They're nomads. They are they're nomad. They are resilient. They have advantage on checks and saves made to resist debilitating weather effects. Additionally, when they complete a short rest, they can reduce exhaustion by one level. Once you do this, you can't use it again until you complete a long rest. But that's still not bad. Like, giving humans some flavor that isn't just a different lineage or ancestor or species? Yeah, no, that's actually... Yeah, I like that. Yeah, uh, they are also proficient in survival. And they know common in one additional language of your choice. At least for humans, it makes sense because humans don't Commonists get their own language. Represent the human language. Yeah, like humans are the vanilla, so they don't get their own language. Mm, I'm gonna have some vanilla ice cream later. And then finally, cosmopolitan heritage. They're from a city. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. As an alcoholic, I'm just like cosmopolitan. What? Cosmopolitan means things other than alcohol in that women, that women's magazine. <laughs> oh, so you read Cosmo too? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're from pop, uh, they're from majorly populated cities. Uh, while in a city or other urban environment, you can't become lost except by magical means. Ha! That's a lie. I grew up in a major city, and I get lost. Yeah, but you don't really go outside because you're afraid to be hit by cars. 
I'm not afraid to be hit by cars. It just happens. <laughs> also, while you are in cities or urban environments, you cannot be surprised. Except when you are asleep or otherwise incapacitated. The number of times I've been hit by cars proves that's not true. But is it surprising at this point? No. Exactly. It's not. It's just depressing. But still, is this weird idea that you take this human heritage and you are a city ranger? Just while you're in your preferred environment, your favored terrain of a city, anything other than magic means that you are you can't be you can't get lost unless someone casts a fucking spell on you. And you also can't be surprised because you know all these goddamn streets. That is fucking wild, and I love it. It will never be useful, because how the fuck often? 95% of of time. The only time someone's going to pick to be a cosmopolitan is when the DM is like, yeah, I'm running a city campaign. It all takes place in one city. And then someone just like, there's like a, a character concept they've been sitting on for like four years. Yes, I get to play my my cosmopolitan human rogue. Fucking finally, finally, I get to pull this thief out of the woodwork. No, because this is a heritage cosmopolitan cobalt. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> that's the thing you got to remember with all of these. All of these can be any race. That is wild. You can make a treant that's fire resistant. <laughs> that's stupid. I want to do it. Fuck yeah, you do, buddy. <laughs> we're gonna make goddamn. We're gonna make goddamn sentient plants that know the way around downtown. <laughs> Wait, no, we're going the wrong way. We need to go are left here. Are you trying to get? Are you trying to get to North Thirty Second or East Thirty Second? There's a difference. Oh, oh you, you poor, poor you poor, child. you poor pumpkin. <laughs> Let Papa Tree be and show you the way to the diner. <laughs> oh, this is dumb and I love it. It's so good, dude. <laughs> this is one of those. I hope they don't change it because it's stupid. Yeah, that specifically, this idea, this idea of like resistances and these very powerful skills being tied to things that can be taken by anybody. I fucking love that. That is spectacular. And then moving on to backgrounds. So backgrounds work very similar to the way they do in fifth edition. Wow. Yeah. uh, I I actually like, like that's one thing I actually rather do like in fifth edition is backgrounds because it's a little bit of seasoning for a character. They make it, they make one significant change with backgrounds in this that I actually prefer over the one in fifth edition, but this this is entirely a me thing that I feel like, (sighs) Other people who use that feature have it be like are way more into it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, the two backgrounds I have in here are scholar and soldier, just kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So every background within the core fantasy roleplay system gives you two skill proficiencies, additional languages, some equipment, and a talent. So everyone will have at least one talent at first level. Uh, they will have a bunch of like pre-written ones, but if you want to customize your background, 
You can replace one talent list with any other, which because talents have lists, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, choose any two skills and a total of two, two tool proficiencies or other languages from the sample backgrounds. And then, yeah, other stuff. So we'll get into that. So, Scholar. Choose two skills from Arcana, History, Nature, or Religion. You can learn two additional languages or gain proficiency with one type of tool or vehicle relevant to your to relevant to your field of study. And then you have some bullshit no one will bother writing down except for the gold amount. And then finally, you could choose one of these three talents, polyglot, school specialization, or trade skills, which we'll get into in a little bit. And the final thing for the scholar is the adventuring motivation. This effectively replaces the bonds, ideals, and flaws from the other backgrounds. Yeah, <laughs> I never use those. I never use those. Some people do because they feel the need to like they they aren't super confident in like making bold character choices and character flaws, so they need like something to help them guideline it out. Which yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's nice for it's nice to especially for new players who aren't used to RP. It's nice to give them like, yeah, this is a little bit of a script that you can follow, a little bit of a guide to your ad living. Yeah, but I'm a decades experienced a tabletop role player at this point, and I'm an idiot. <laughs> what? <laughs> I never use them, and I'm bad at it. <laughs> I make bold character choices and they're all wrong. Hey, at least you didn't, you know, use a grappling hook to climb up onto a statue and wind up getting you and your friend cursed. It wasn't cursed. You just got vertigo. Yeah, well, hopefully bathing will fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I love Starfinder. 100%. That is actually a thing that is going on in Starfinder right now. If you haven't played Starfinder, find someone who will run it for you. All the rules are available for free online through the archive of Nethys. And we have the adventure like Pathfinder. Yeah. So the adventure motivation. You roll a D8, and then it gives you a reason why a scholar would become an adventurer. Some of their examples include adventuring supplies me with the coin I need to fund my research. Adventuring is a way to actually experience the things I've seen and read in books. Adventuring allows me to uncover lost or forbidden knowledge not found within typical institutions. Adventuring is a way to escape a life of academia I never wanted. Just simple one sentence things to just say, hey, you had this job. Why the fuck did you leave it to go sleep in the woods and stab goblins in the taint? It's simple. It's effective. And it can help springboard other RP ideas if you are a person who needs help with getting RP ideas. I bet a fellow scholar that I could do X and they told me that if I couldn't, I'd have to go and be an adventurer. I'm an adventurer now. <laughs> so, moving on to soldier. So soldiers get two skills, animal handling, athletics, medicine, survival. Get your favorite, proficiency in land or water vehicles. And one tool of your choice. And then, other bullshit. Uh, talent soldiers get to choose from armor training, combat casting, or combat conditioning. We'll get to that in a second. And then their own little D8 table of adventuring motivations. Like, way to support myself after being dishonorably discharged. Uh, keep A way to keep protecting others since those I used to protect are now gone. You know, if you want to go down that route. 
a way to take justice into my own hands without concern for policies or politics. They said I was toxically masculine, so I went into a field where it didn't matter. <laughs> they said I was toxically masculine, so I made all of my so I made all of my poisons in the shape of bustles. Just a bicep fucking jar, but it's just full of strychnine. <laughs> Uh, I got chased out of town for deciding to eat a monster. Yes, I know it was right outside my house, but what was I going to do? I was hungry. When Buddy gets the, when Tommy gets the nummies, <laughs> I need to eat something. You just eaten breakfast. <laughs> you ate it in a diner. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> It also wasn't a monster. That was just the waiter. <laughs> anyway, finally, on to the talents. So, talents are divided into three categories. Magical talents, martial talents, and technical talents. They haven't come up with any class stuff yet, but apparently, your class determines the talent list you can have access to. And it does specifically say talent lists, which implies you can get more than one talent list per class. Which and there's also it all, there's also probably crossover for certain talents. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, talents are gained in two main ways: choosing background thing, blah blah. blah. And whenever a character class grants an improvement, capital I. Taking off ability score and just improvement. They can choose to do the things an ASI does. One score by two, two by one, or choose a talent. So then uh, each one of these has uh, like three to four. Well, two to four. Yeah, I'm just going to read these because some of them are really fucking good. So first up, combat casting, a.k.a. Warcaster, but gooder. So, you take this thing. So the feet tax lives. The what? There, there's, there's a lot of people who don't like uh, uh, Warcaster because it feels like some of its abilities should just be natural to the classes. But you, it's basically all right. I'm, I have to take War ta Warcaster. It's feet tax. This one is a bit different. And a bit better. Like a lot better, I mean. Okay. So, prerequisites. You have the ability to cast spells. Obviously. Yeah. You gain the following benefits. You automatically succeed con saves you make to concentrate on a spell D on a spell if the DC is lower than your spellcasting DC. That's awesome. That's fucking amazing. That is just fucking good. Yeah. And so if you are ever dealt less than 20 damage by a spell, then hey, guess what? You can fix that automatically. Because assuming concentration rules are the same, it is half damage. It is like half the damage you took or 10, whichever is higher. Which means you get dealt 19 damage. You automatically see in that con save to keep concentration. Because if you didn't build your character like an idiot, you will have a spell DC higher than 10. 
So, second thing. You know who you are. So, second thing. When a hostile creature enters a space within five feet of you or provokes an attack of opportunity, you can use your reaction to cast a cantrip. Yeah, this is just, hey, every caster has to take this feat. Eh. Well, talent, sorry. Yeah, and again, eh. Who I who gives a shit? I know I know the I know people have made a big thing of like like the like auto include stuff, but like I don't care. I don't do like auto include things, and this is just good. Yeah, I get where people are coming from, I guess. I, the main thing is auto includes reduce variety. Even if you don't do it, 99% of people will uh-huh. every time. And it's just boring. Well, this is built off 5e. So. Yeah. I mean, true. You, you, want, a system, you want a system that has variety and like customizability. You don't go to 5e. Very true. Unless you're one of those weirdos who plays like the who plays like Star Wars 5e. Or who t- plays warlocks that don't use Eldritch Blast. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I use Ray of Frost. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. <laughs> I talked my It's the best cantrip! I talked my DM into allowing me to reflavor Witch Bolt into Lich Bolt and adult ice damage. I did all of it through a crossbow that could not shoot anything. I just had a underhang thing for a rod of ice that was my arcane focus. <laughs> moving on to the next feat. Moving on to the next talent. It's going to be the fucking... That's going to be the thing. Yeah, Whenever we talk that's about this, it's going to be like... <laughs> It's like feet, I mean talent, every time. Elemental Savant. Prerequisite. The ability to cast at least one spell that deals damage. Choose an elemental type. Acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder. Whenever you cast a spell that deals damage, you can convert that damage type, you convert the damage type of that spell to your chosen elemental type. You must decide to convert the damage type when you declare you are casting a spell. Additionally, when you roll damage for a spell that naturally uses your chosen elemental damage type, not spells you convert, you re-roll any damage dice results of one and must take the new results. You can select this talent multiple times. Okay. That's pretty fucking good. Changing damage types on the fly is powerful. Next up, Mental Fortitude. Once per long rest, when you fail a Intelligence Wisdom or Charisma save, you can choose to re-roll that save and take the new result. You must declare your intention to re-roll before the results of the save are resolved. Which I guess means... Like you fail it, and then and then you have to choose whether or not you're going to do it before you get before you learn what is happening to you. And then second thing you get from this, if you are affected by an ongoing spell or magical effect due to failing an intelligence wisdom or charisma saving throw, 
You can repeat the save at the end of each of your turns, ending the effect on the success, even if the ongoing magical effect would not typically allow you to do so. So you fail and get controlled by Gius, you get a save every six seconds. Okay. Not as, mean, not as powerful as what we've been seeing before, but still not awful. And, like, there are going to be situations, like, there are, I know of times when that would have been damned useful. Yeah. And that one had no prerequisites. And then finally, for magical talents, as in this document, school specialization with the prerequisite of the ability to cast spells. You gain three benefits from this. So you choose a school of magic which are abjuration, conjuration, divination, enchantment, evocation, illusion, necromancy, or transmutation. You gain three benefits. First, when you cast a spell from that school that requires you to make an attack roll, you get plus one. Two, whenever you cast a spell that requires a target to make a saving throw, increase your DC by one. And three, if you use a spell book to cast your spells, the golden time you must spend copying a spell into of that school into your spell book is halved. So this does raise the question of how do wizards work now? Yeah. Because that's, except for the pluses, just how the wizard subclass worked at 5e. Unless it works the same way and this is just letting you either have it again, so quartering it, I or mean, there, like, I mean, there, there are double downs. Like I could see, I could see double down, a uh, doubling down for, with this, or yeah. taking it on a subclass that doesn't get this benefit. Maybe. Which. So one of the ones that isn't a school. Yeah. So like, ah, uh, war magic, uh, or blade singer. Did you cat attack you? No, I'm. I've got, I've had a migraine running up the side of my head the whole day. Ah, outstanding. Yeah. This is a great time. This is a great time for me to ask you to record them. <laughs> I, I was good up until just now. <laughs> right the second I read that. <laughs> the second I read school specialization, you're just like, ah, fuck. <laughs> well, from there, moving into the martial talents. Armor training. You trained in armor. Wahoo. You take it multiple times, and every time you take it, it bumps you up in armor training proficiency. I understand that they want to actually have a full system, but do you really need to include this in your backwards compatible playtest? Well, they, well, they want a wizard to be able to wear light armor. And if he spends enough levels on it, he could get heavy armor. I got my necromancy wizard kit out in full plate. That'd be funny. I'd probably do that. Yeah, you absolutely would. <laughs> Just this tank summoning zombies. Well, next up, armed combatant. Prerequisite. Proficient with training. Proficient with heavy armor. While wearing armor, you get a plus one bonus to AC for each instance of bludgeoning, slashing, piercing damage you take. Uh... Uh, yeah, that, that you take from non-magical attacks. Oh, sorry. I misread that. Let me go back. While wearing armor, you gain a plus one bonus to AC 
And each instance of bludgeoning, slashing, and piercing damage that you take from non-magical attacks is reduced by your proficiency bonus. It's not bad. It's just kind of better heavy armor mastery. Hmm. I liked heavy armor mastery, so I like this. Yeah. It's I good. never got to use heavy armor mastery because, man, armor is prohibitively expensive. <laughs> also, do, how many how many characters do you play that are allowed to wear armor? With you, none. Without <laughs> you, a lot. Why is it just me, then? Because uh, think about who we play with, Dad. And? And how many casters are at that table if it's not you or me? Who gives a shit? You don't need casters. I like having a caster at the table. They provide they provide utility that just is missing without one. Bad. All fight boys. Fuck it. <laughs> we did that. Do you remember the nightmare that was? That wasn't because we were all fight boys. That was because I played Nassle. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, the rest of that, the rest of that camp, the rest of that little thing went fine. Also, there is more than one kind of fight boy. <laughs> All fight boys. <laughs> that sounds like a team of monks to me. There's a class called fighter. What are you talking about? That doesn't exist. It's a myth. <laughs> I've never played one. They don't exist. Just like barbarians. I actually pissed off my wife recently by claiming that hills were a myth <laughs> as we were driving into hill country <laughs> just to mess with it. I was like, hills are a myth. Hills don't exist. Well, what are these? These are obviously drained canals. Duh. These are rolling pillocks. I don't know what the fuck that means. These aren't hills. These are miniature mountains. This is part of the Rockies. Anyway, combat conditioning. You take this, your HP maximum increases by two for each level you currently have. And whenever you gain a level, your new hit die is one size larger than your class typically grants. For example, a wizard for, with this talent would gain a D8 for the new hit die instead of a D6. Woo, I've raised my average hit points by 0.5. Fuck yeah, baby. I'll take tough. <laughs> that's what you get when you that's what you get when you roll four hit points. And uh it is slightly higher if you, you know, if your DMs like re-roll all ones. But uh. just use maximum. Fuck it. People want to do that anyway. Like seriously, it just use the maximum. What the fuck? You will have hit points. You will be survivable. And guess what? You won't have the. You won't have any fucking instance where a goddamn wizard rolled fucking sh rolled fucking amazing and now has more hit points than the barbarian. We get rolling twos. Ugh. Oh, speaking of barbarians, if you already use a D twelve hit die when you gain this talent, this feature has no effect. <laughs> That 
is hilarious. So eat fucking kick rocks, barbarians. You already have enough hit points. Don't. Everyone else is catching up to you. Don't try to be special. Now fighters and rangers have D12 hit die. Fuck you. That's fucking hilarious. Yep. And then finally, hand to hand. You're proficient with unarmed strikes. If you're a medium-sized creature, your unarmed strikes deal bludgeoning damage equal to 1d6 plus your strength. If you're a small-sized creature, your unarmed strikes deal bludgeoning damage equal to 1d4 plus your strength. So kick rocks, fuckers. Like you small-sized assholes. Dwarves deal 1d6, so they're medium. Fuck all of you. Very aggressive about this. Kick rocks, motherfucker. Go choke on a spoon. And you also have advantage to initiate and escape grapples. Just kind of... It's fine. Like, this. This honestly feels like the weakest out of all of them. Or like yeah, the least honestly. interesting. Yeah. I mean, it might have its strengths, but I can't think of anything to just it has. Yeah, not really. Like, how many situations have arisen where you won't have at least a weapon on you? Like, I don't know if we just don't do hand-to-hand combat a lot compared to other groups. Okay, like, this is the big thing. Yes, there are certain instances where you could argue that the player doesn't have their weapon in hand. No player is not going to take the action to pick up the sword that's leaning against the wall, lying on the floor or next to their bed, or what have you. Oh, well, is that an action, a bonus action, or a free action? That's a go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, technical talents. These are specifically non-combat abilities. This is stuff for uh, granting utility-based improvements, social encounters, exploration, and object and inter- interactions. Why did I fuck up on interactions? <laughs> inter- interactions. I didn't say what the other two were because I felt like they were. I felt like they were self-explanatory. But yeah, there are only two in this document. Um, so first up, polyglot. You learn three languages of your choice, none of which are common. Uh, When you are interacting with uh, non-hostile creatures whose primary language is one of the three you chose, you have an advantage on all charisma ability checks to maybe interact with them. Okay, now this is worth it. And whenever you make an ability check related to understanding the meaning of a verbal or written language you don't know, you are proficient with the role. If you are already proficient, you are expert. That's solid. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's a bit more. It's a bit more. It's a bit more like focused version of like skilled because I think skilled a linguist. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Linguist. Because I thought skilled also gave you languages. Uh, Skilled. I does skilled. No, skilled is skilled is a skill proficiencies and tool proficiencies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then speaking of skills, trade skills. So. You gain proficiency with one skill and one type of vehicle or tool relevant to your chosen profession. 
because you decide a profession when you take this. Alternatively, gain proficiency with two types of tools or vehicles relevant to your chosen profession. And provided you have access to necessary materials, uh, to necessary equipment and customers, you can spend a day plying your trade uh, and expect to be paid two gold or paid with goods and services of equivalent value. You know, a downtime thing to earn some money. I feel like I've been playing in too many games where gold is just showered on people where I'm like, two gold, that's a bit that's a bit low. I actually just recently uh like got got into a game and the DM's like, yeah, by the way, there's no loot in this game. <laughs> like, if you want to be able to buy anything, you're gonna have to work for it. <laughs> to which we said, I guess we're not adventurers. <laughs> to which you said, cool, bye. And like then he like he he backed down. It's like there are magic items. Like you might be able to get a magic item or something. Like you can't buy those. <laughs> so we were like, fine, we'll adventure a little yeah. bit to get magic. There's no loot until it looked like my party was about to leave. <laughs> no, we weren't gonna leave. We were like, all right, so I'm just gonna go do my day job forever. What about you guys? Because <laughs> the fighter was like, I wanted to get like full plate as quickly as possible so cool it's gonna take you two years gonna go work as a guard (laughs) (laughs) and only as a guard forever what what was his sorry what was their rationalization for this decision well he wanted he wanted a bit more realism i'm using air quotes in the (sighs) wealth system (sighs) um Fuck off and die, so, bud. Yeah. Monster it, bodies. It, yeah, monster bodies have parts in them that are worth money. Yeah, that's actually how we ended up making money. Yeah, like, that, well, like the the ranger was like, wait, do people buy monster bits? And the DM sat there silently for a minute, and I could feel the reluctance in his yes. Harvest and die. Like, that's the trade-off. It's hey, do you want to work at you want to work an ordinary boring job? where nothing will happen, but you'll be able to earn a steady income, or do you want to make a shitload of money and almost die? That's the trade-off, because otherwise, why the fuck, yeah, why the fuck would anybody be an adventurer? Yeah. It's like, hey, do you want to earn the same amount of money you'd work standing in a standing in, a, in front of a fucking gate for seven hours, but instead of that, be trekking across horrendous landscapes for like seven hours a day, occasionally let's being not, poisoned by a chimera? Let's not into my DM too much. This not tearing, he might listen to this. That's not tearing into your DM specifically. It's tearing into every DM who, think, who thinks this way. Yeah. You adventure because it is a more dangerous and more profitable adventure. I usually adventure because I'm trying to save somebody or something. I'm usually adventuring to be a hero, not to get rich. Sure. A nerd can do that. A practical person. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. All right. <laughs> I I have a mortgage to pay, sir. (laughs) They don't let adventurers own property. You don't have a good enough credit score. My wife does. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, she stays home and yeah, she stays home. And then I send some money every and I send some money every now and again and then come back and then we fuck hoard. Before I leave for seven months again. I have to go stab a dragon in the taint because it keeps eating sheep. What did you do at work today, honey? Oh, you filled out TPS reports? Nice. <laughs> Adventuring is the long-haul truck driving of the fantasy world. 
Oh, God. Ah, <laughs> uh, this show went weird. It did. It really did. But I'm betting you guys have enjoyed yourselves. <sighs> anyway, yes, that was play t- that was playtest packet one of Cobalt Prest's Project Black Flag, aka Core Fantasy Roleplay. I am assuming that in the coming test packages, they will get a better name. Yeah. And the- I honestly like I liked what I heard. It felt I'm gonna say this, it felt a lot like listening to a one D and D riff. You know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit. But I mean, that's kind of what it feels like they might be going for. They're kind of, yeah, they kinda of are. They it, it, again, it's like it's like they're they're making the uh Pepsi to Coke. This this feels like they are actually just making a Pathfinder. Because from what I understand, Pathfinder, the first edition, was, hey, here's a new system. Don't worry, it's backwards compatible with all 3.5 stuff. Yeah, no. Uh, Pathfinder first edition was the Pepsi of D&D 3.5's Coke. Yeah, and that's and that feels like... You, you see what I, said, what I said at the beginning? Yeah, I see exactly. I understand exactly what you're going for. Like, what you were going for. Yeah, yeah and... It'll be interesting to see how things diverge because so far it's, it looks just like, hey, it's exactly 5e, but a little bit better or a little bit stronger, at least. Because, yeah, like from ability score, determining like from determining ability scores to like and to like lineage and heritage abilities to just the feats. Things do seem to be a little bit more powerful. Which, hey, I'm interested in, I guess. Yeah, power creep. Is it? I mean, yes, it is. It is power creep. Like, this is one of the biggest problems that I've had with 5th edition is everything that's come out is almost invariably more powerful than things that went before it. And things just keep kept getting, like, bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, we don't know. Well, again, we only have one thing compared to base five E. But is this is this power creep, or is this just them setting what the diffi- what them setting what the power for their system is going to be? It is a new system, so right now they are setting the bar. Yeah, it. But what, in comparison with fifth edition, it just follows the trend of power creep, in my opinion. Yeah, once fucking kobolds and canyons or whatever the shit it ends up being called comes out officially, and then we get a second source book. We'll see. But for now, I am very much interested. Uh, we'll be back with more of this next month. Because uh, I believe they did, had said the Playtest Package 2 will be coming out in March. But yeah. So far. Interested. Yeah. I like what they're doing with Heritages. That's kind of my favorite part of this so far. I'm not really that interested because, like you said, it's it's 5th edition diet or like new fifth edition and i don't really like fifth edition so it's fifth edition double stuff but yeah there you go it's double stuff fifth edition i don't really like fifth edition so i mean i'll i'll hear about it i'm it it is interesting to see happen but (laughs) nah so far not for me okay (laughs) yeah fair enough 
Uh, but yeah. Uh, Curse Destiny. We still got some backlog stuff to get through. We still got... Uh, internally, we still got a few more weeks of playtesting in order to get things up and ready to go for coming back to it. They're almost trained to almost. know how to play. Vaguely. Almost. Honestly, they know how to play about as well as they know how to play fifth edition. (laughs) (laughs) I love you guys. They'll never listen to this. (laughs) Oh. Anyway, until then, though, I'm dead. And I'm Cave. See you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time.